Hey guys, I'm Chalina, and you're tuning in to Mysteries at the Coffee Shop. So, as you can see, this episode is a little bit different just because I am here by myself, which is fine. I was totally okay with that. A couple things came up, so I wasn't able to have any podcast hosts, other podcast hosts here today. But, um, you have me, so that's all you got. Today, we're going to go over the crimes that gave us gynecology. And... I know, as a woman, I hate going to the gynecologist, but there are some pretty important tests that need to be done yearly. I mean, I need my physical, I need a pap smear done, like, it's it's all super important things, and I'm so happy that we're in the day and age where, you know, gynecology is here to help us. We're here to get regular checkups and make sure that we're healthy, so how did we even get to this point? It's a funny thing to think about. Because back in the day, you know, back in the 1800s, doctors actually didn't like working on women at all. And not much was known about the women's reproductive system. I mean, we do have, like, hysteria, which was based off of the roaming uterus. And then we had people who thought that, you know, women were crazy because they were losing their blood from their ovaries, but they didn't understand that that's how women's reproductive systems work. Well, I am here to talk about one person who is known as the father of modern gynecology, and his name is James Marion Sims. So he developed pioneering tools and surgical techniques to help in further research of women's reproductive systems. So here is a little summary about him in 1876 he became president of the American Medical Association. In 1880, he became president of the American Gynecological Society, and he helped founded that organization, so I guess that was a given. He has six statues across the country. He invented the vaginal speculum, and if any woman knows what that is who has gone to the gynecologist, I am so sorry. It is my least favorite part of it. It is not fun at all or comfortable, to be honest. So those are all great things, like, you know, great things to put on your resume and stuff. However, at what cost did this come to us? So unfortunately, his research for all of these things, you know, his surgical techniques, his tools, his like instructions on how to do other things, his books, like where did all this come from? Well, like any doctor, he conducted research. Unfortunately, his research was conducted on enslaved black women without any anesthesia. It wasn't because anesthesia wasn't trusted at the time. It wasn't because it was expensive. It wasn't because of any of that. He based this off the notion that black women did not feel the same amount of pain as white women. And so, thus, giving us the crimes that gave us gynecology. We'll go back to his early life. James Sims was born in Lancaster, South Carolina in 1813. When he grew up, he entered the medical profession, and during that time, let me tell you, it was pretty easy to become a doctor. So, you know, nowadays, like, currently, to be a doctor, you have to go under some rigorous studying, rigorous testing. You have to do clinical hours. It's pretty wild. I mean, as long as I can remember... 
one of my cousins had worked her ass off for a re like as soon as she could get to college worked her ass off and is just now graduating med school i'm talking that's like a whole five or seven years maybe if not longer so that's wild so currently to become a doctor you have to complete an undergraduate degree take and pass the mcat exam apply to medical school attend medical school participate in medical school clinical rotation and then take the United States Medical Licensing Exam. And that is a lot of time, money, sweat, and tears. So how did James Sims become a doctor back then? Well, you know, he was from Lancaster, South Carolina. And while they did have colleges for doctor's degrees, back then it was normal to not even go to college for that. Back then, you know, you didn't have to receive any formal training if you came from a poor town, the best you could do was go and apprentice under a doctor for like three months and bam, you're a doctor. You know, that was that was a that was enough for them. So pretty much anybody could become a doctor. And with only three months of training and no educational background, that's kind of scary. Luckily for Sims, he did study at college, but not for very long so he interned with a doctor for about three months and then he studied for a year at Jefferson Medical College and then he started up his practice in Lancaster South Carolina his hometown you know seems pretty easy right like he must have known a lot of what was going on and that was unfortunately not true at all so after his first two patients died he moved to Montgomery, Alabama. He was like, we gotta hightail it out of here. We gotta fucking go, dude. Like, I cannot stay here. So it did not work out well for him. However, the move to Montgomery, Alabama was probably one of the best things he could do for himself. So Montgomery, Alabama is where Sims made a name for himself treating the slaves of wealthy plantation owners. The plantation owners really trusted him with their slaves. I mean, they needed them in tip-top shape to produce their goods, to work the fields, to, you know, cook in the kitchens, be their servants. And the best part about them was that they could reproduce. So, essentially, they didn't have to go to auction and buy more slaves. They could essentially wait for them to pop more kids out and then get them working in the fields as young as six years old, maybe even younger. Um, sometimes the young children were treated as servants as well, which really stinks, to be honest. So most of the time, doctors came to the plantations to treat the slaves, but Sims decided to open up an eight-person hospital in the heart of the trading district. And you would think this sounded really, you know, inconvenient for the plantation owners to have to go all the way to the trading district with their slave to be treated. But, surprisingly, Sims made a pretty good living off of that. And I mean, there are some things on the plantation that you could not treat there than you could treat in a hospital. So, anything super complicated, like open wounds that needed surgery, um, stitchings that needed to be done, like a lot of it was better off getting done at the hospital. So, anything complicated, one of the things that was super complicated that was brought to him was a woman who fell off of a horse who was complaining of 
lower back and pelvic pain. Now, Sims didn't really have an interest in treating women at first, and that was because back then in the 1800s, the field was male-dominated, and at the time it was really considered offensive and unsavory to treat women. Male doctors, they're like, I don't know anything about women, why would I touch them? I mean, it was kind of really a sin to kind of look at naked women if you're not married to them, so I guess it was just unsavory, they didn't want to know anything about it. Women were gross and had cooties, I guess. They just thought of them very differently than men. They Honestly, women did not get a lot of treatment back then, but this patient was different. He decided to go ahead and take a peek at her, and he realized something. He was like, I have to look into this woman's vagina in order to treat her injury. Where he got that notion, I do not know. However, this changed everything. This whole exam changed everything. So he had her lean forward and he used his fingers to help him see inside, which sounds really gross, but bear with me. So he used his fingers to help him see inside and he couldn't see that well. So he ended up using what he had on hand, which was the end of a pewter spoon to like help open it up and see what the problem was. And this was a prototype for the modern day speculum, which is kind of crazy and honestly if I were that woman and he stuck a pewter spoon up me I'd be like I know you just did not do that I know you just did not do that but alas he did and thus he found out that she had a vesicovaginal fistula and if you don't know what that is it's a complication that happens during childbirth where there's a tear between the uterus and the bladder and this causes constant pain and urine leakage um, not only that, I've also heard that it also causes fecal leakage in the worst forms of it. So it, it just was not a good thing to have, especially if you were a slave. If you were a slave with this, I mean that you were done for, right? You, can, you couldn't reproduce, you couldn't work the fields, you were just there. You were no good. So the plantation owners were like, why, why would I keep this? You know, a light bulb went off, it hit him. He was like, there is no cure for this ailment. So guess what I'm going to do? He started experimenting with different surgical techniques in 1845 to help find a cure for this ailment. And where did he find these people to experiment his surgical technique on? Well, you guessed it. It was the slaves. So Sims essentially told the slave owners that, hey, if you provide clothing and payment, I'll temporarily take over ownership of this woman until the treatment is done and then I'll send her right back in tip-top shape. You know, you have nothing to worry about. In his autobiography, The Story of My Life, he wrote, There was never a time I could not, at any day, have a subject for operation. And this was the most memorable time of his life, so he really did benefit from you know, having that temporary custody of these slaves. He could essentially, he was their new master. He could essentially do anything he wanted and they couldn't tell him no because he was their master. The main question that people ask today is, did these women give him their consent? And, you know, Sims wrote that women had clamored to him for these operations to relieve them of their pain and discomfort, but he never said whether or not they did give their consent. From this, we can only assume that no, they really didn't give their consent. Like I said earlier, they technically couldn't say no 
he was our new master. And then I don't think no was an option because, again, I will reiterate, like I said earlier, if you were a sl female slave and could not reproduce or work, what good were you? Most plantation owners would get rid of you. And how they got rid of you depended on them, but I'm assuming that it is not good. Did they consent? No, because no, it wasn't an option. And consent is also about being able to have the power to pull that consent back. Like, initially, you could say, yes, I want to do this. And then as soon as you start or before they start, you could you should have the ability to say, no, I don't feel comfortable anymore. I don't want to do this. But they did not have that option. I'm assuming that Sims, as soon as they said, yeah, sure, I'll do it or whatever, he just went ahead and did it. Because like I said earlier, he had full advantage of them, which was pretty awful. Like, it's pretty awful to think about. Now, the first patient he operated on was an 18-year-old girl named Lucy. She had given birth a couple months earlier, and she hadn't been able to control her bladder since. So Sims was like, hey, you know, let's do this surgery, and got temporary custody of her. So during the surgery, she was asked to be on her knees and on her elbows, and have her hands on the back of her head. She was completely naked during this surgery and is unsure whether or not this was for, you know, sanitary reasons to keep a sterile field. I'm not sure, but I would imagine that, you know, it was humiliating. And not only that, there was 12 other doctors in the room watching this surgery as she was screaming and crying. That's terrible completely like that's completely humiliating but this surgery was life-saving for her I don't agree with the 12 doctors standing there behind her it was she was probably super scared humiliated she was in pain so Sims later wrote in his journal and I quote Lucy's agony was extreme she became extremely ill due to the controversial use of a sponge to drain the urine away from the bladder which led her to contract blood poisoning I thought she was going to die. It took Lucy two or three months to recover entirely from the effects of the operation. So after Lucy, Sims took four years and 30 different operations on various enslaved women, many of which were not successful, to perfect his craft. And he perfected his craft on a young girl named Arcnia. But she had gotten a vesicle vaginal fistula due to a very traumatic birth and delivery. See, she was only 17 years old and just a child herself. However, they went forward with this surgery, knowing how painful it would be without anesthesia. And then after that, you know, he began to experiment on white women with the use of anesthesia. He specifically chose not to use anesthesia based on the notion that black women do not feel pain like white women, which is completely and utterly wrong. Another thing to note, in an interview with historian and the author of the book Medical Bondage, Race, Gender, and the Origin of American Gynecology, Deidre Cooper Owens stated that Sims did have other doctors apprentice under him, but they walked out. They couldn't handle working on these women without anesthesia, some of which did not actually, some of them didn't agree with them. Actually, many doctors didn't agree with him. They said that he took things too far in the name of science and experimentation. So, without these apprentices to help him, what did he do? 
Well, he took advantage of having these slaves. And so he looked at these women and was like, hey, I'm going to train you. I'm going to train you to help me with procedures. It's safe to say that these enslaved women did help to light the way for American gynecology. But it's still pretty awful that they were essentially taken advantage of and were kind of forced to do it. They didn't really have any options. It's really hard to say how you want to interpret this. I mean, on one hand, you have these women who were medically trained by Sims. Um, I don't know how much that says, considering that he did not have much medical training himself. And then on the other hand, you have these women and the suffering that this man caused based on his stupid notion that because they have a different color skin, they don't feel pain. So I honestly don't know how to feel about this. And this whole thing made me like shiver under my skin. I was really disgusted because I remember having my IUD taken out and put back in. And I was not giving any sort of anesthesia. And I cried. I screamed. It was not good. I did not like it. And so an IUD is nothing compared to what these women went through. And I can only imagine that that pain like that is awful and for him to say like after four years and like 30 different operations for him to only start using anesthesia on white women is pretty awful you know you know this man didn't become a gynecologist to to help the enslaved population he was there to help white women he was there to get that cash as a doctor nowadays when you become a doctor, you sign an oath, dude. You take an oath to help everybody to, you know, be that good citizen. And he just did not do that. And of course, I think this was before that time. So Sims faced justified accusation of surgical violence and forcible exploitation. And he responded with insisting that these women were willing. And he praised their courage. However, like, it's really hard to side with him because how could they say yes? How could they say no? They couldn't. Their only option was yes. Op no was not an option. So some people like stand by him. They're like, he did good with what he had. And I personally don't think, I don't think that. I think the man was a monster. So was Sims a monster or was he just trying to save his resources and taking advantage of the opportunities he had? In my conclusion, the man was a real monster. So let me hit you with these facts. So not only did he experiment on enslaved black women, but he also experimented on enslaved black children to find a cure for neonatal tetanus. So he believed that black people were less intelligent than white people because their skulls grew too quickly around their brain. So he would use a shoemaker's tool to pry their bones apart and loosen their skulls. So he did this to children and I'm assuming that he didn't use any anesthesia on them. I don't know how you go about prying their heads open and justifying it because he needed to loosen their skull. It just makes no sense to me. And then this man in the 1850s was allowed to move to New York and open the first ever women's hospital. And at that hospital, he continued testing controversial medical treatments on his patients. When any of his patients died, he blamed them. He squarely said the sloth and ignorance of their mothers and black midwives who attend them caused them to die. 
he did not believe he did anything wrong. He fully believed in his methods. And, of course, people argued with him. And quite frankly, I just want to say this was the 1800s. We weren't anywhere close to the civil rights movement. But people were honestly like, listen, you're taking this way too damn far. And this was coming from people who also, like, they didn't really think of black people as people. But they're like, homie, no. Homie, no. This is not right. This is not right. I don't care if you don't think that they feel pain. They are obviously feeling pain. So for some people, you know, they looked at Sims and they're like, that man is a true monster. He is cold-hearted. And I, honestly, I agree with them. I don't know how you can continue to do a surgery as someone is sitting there screaming and crying and sweating and almost on the brink of death. I don't quite understand that. And he thinks it's okay. So he thinks it's okay because it's all in the name of science and moving forward. And while he did, again, light the way for many other gynecologists, at what cost? I really think that we would have eventually found a way to do this without all the pain and suffering. But I don't think we'll ever know that. I don't think we will. And that that's a really shitty thing to say because we can't go back and change it. If we could, we probably would, but I think things would end up differently in the wibbly-wobbly timeline of the Earth. So what do you guys think? Do you think this man is a monster? Or do you think he was justified with the tools that he was using and his advantages? Let me know in the comments below and let me know what you think about this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Mysteries at the Coffee Shop. I really appreciate every like, comment, and subscription. It really helps, you know, make the dream come alive. I love to do this in my free time, and it's kind of a passion of mine. I hope to get better and better with every episode to give you guys better content. So, if you would please like, follow, and subscribe, I'd really appreciate it. You're welcome to follow us on social media, as well as Spotify, TikTok, whatever you want to. We do have a merch store. I am coming up with more designs. It is just slow coming. But thank you guys so much. You guys have a good day. Bye. Mm -hmm.